Today we're going to talk about fear from Psalm uh, 34. And so we're going to put that up on the screen and I'm going to read through it today. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, all you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What is man? What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and the ear towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil and cut off the memory from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from all. And he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. May the word of the Lord speak in our hearts. All right, we're going to talk about fear in the, in the, in the time of coronavirus. So I have, I have a question for you. How many of you have felt fear in the past month? I ask you to be honest. Man, there are some liars in here. I believe that fear is a part of the human experience. If you don't feel fear today, you will feel fear in the future. I've never talked to somebody who's old in life who hasn't felt the gripping fear of losing somebody close to them, or having somebody walk away, a friend who they loved. The pandemic has also been creating a lot of fear, and fear is an interesting thing. I was looking around at some research, and there's a research study that came out from uh, the Hartford Healthcare System in Connecticut. And they did a, a survey about the pandemic, and specifically about anxiety related to the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic, according to the data, gives anxiety to people 18 to 29 most. 42% report being anxious, and 36% relate, re- reported depression. The second most affected group was 30 to 39, that's my age group, with 34% reporting anxiety, and 28% reporting depression. Older people who are more at risk of catching and dying from coronavirus are far less likely to report emotional reactions. Only 16% of people who are age 70 to 79 reported anxiety. So I looked at this and I said, what can I learn from this? Apparently, the less likely you are to die from coronavirus, the more likely you are to be scared out of your mind. That makes no sense to me, right? But it does make sense. If you think about your life and you think about the things you feared, the things you feared oftentimes never happened. The things you didn't fear oftentimes did. It's easy to look at fear in other people and say that's irrational and tell us in your own life. 
Fear is a part of every person in Scripture that we see. Start off with Adam and Eve. They feared that God would see them naked, so they did the logical thing. They covered up with leaves. They were so scared they forgot that God really doesn't have a problem looking through leaves. It's weird. That was their biggest fear. When Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, the people of God feared that he was dead, so they did what makes the most sense. They got straight to work building a golden calf so that they wouldn't be left alone. Peter, when Jesus was transfixed with Moses and Elijah, was so scared that he didn't know what to say. So he thought about it and said, well, I could build you three structures to make sure you don't get wet in case it rains. That's what he said. I've been poking a little fun at fear a little bit because I think it's something that we don't understand very well. I think it's we don't understand it very well because we don't understand what fear really is. This has been the case in my own life. Uh, one of the fears that I have is that I'm going to go broke. And people in my life, you know, look at, you know, what God has given me and he's blessed me immensely. Why, why, have, why do I have that fear? Well, going back to college, uh, I was full of boldness and not much sense. And I borrowed a lot of money and I racked up about $250,000 of debt. I found a way to burn through that cash and uh, we had a really small business that really couldn't pay for it. And I'd personally guaranteed all that debt became overwhelming to me that I had all of this obligation, no way to pay for it, and I felt like I had no way out. I thought that I was going to be destitute. I was going to live in a van down by the river. This happened to be perfectly timed because I was courting my wife, Heidi. And so I had to tell her, this is before I proposed to her, I had to inform her about this situation. So I remember, like, I would like to propose to you, but I have this small problem I'm on the hook for a quarter million dollars, and if I can't pay it back, I'm going to file bankruptcy and take you down with me. But here's the thing. I feared that, and it never happened. The Lord provided every step of the way what I need. I never ended up going bankrupt, and my wife ended up marrying me. I got a real keeper, didn't I? Um, we, we, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I regret how much time I spent fearing those things because they never ended up happening. Why did I do that? Well, it's because I was relying on myself. I thought that I could dig out of my own hole. And the truth was, I really couldn't. I had no idea. So we're going to read a little bit more into Psalm 34 and what it, what it means. But first, I want to talk about a little background about the guy who wrote Psalm 34. And that man was David. We look at David as another one of those kind of centerpieces of our faith. He was the guy who was said in Scripture to be a man after God's own heart. There's no one more that gets cited in the Bible as somebody to follow. And yet, David had a problem with fear himself. Some of his fears were legitimate. Some of them weren't. One of the things he feared is that Saul was going to kill him. In fact, Saul did kill, try to kill him for many years. He was hiding in caves. But he never, he never did die from Saul. In fact, God took care of him. Uh, after he was king... He got worried that he wasn't married to the hottest girl, even though he had dozens of wives. And so he killed a guy to get his wife. David had also had a lot of problems as a father. His own son Absalom plotted to take his life. It's a, it's a story that doesn't get talked about very much, but his own son tried to kill him and chased him around back in the wilderness. He was the king of Israel while well, this is going on. You can bet he was scared. And there was a point in his reign where the Philistines, who were constantly harassing him, uh, wanted to, to have their way with him. And 
At one point, he acted like an insane person, literally trying to act insane so that they didn't take his life. That event is when, when David wrote the psalm I just read. Verse 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Verse 19 said, The righteous person may have troubles. So my first point is that it's not abnormal to feel fear. It's not wrong to feel fear. I'm a guy, and there's this real problem in our culture where guys are sort of expected or I think they themselves feel. I've felt this for most of my life that feeling fear or, or being gripped by fear is a sign of weakness. I don't think it is. I think that's something that Satan has used to control us as men and try to isolate us. If there's anybody who I don't think of as a weakling, it's David. And he wrote this for all of us to read, I believe, so that we could connect with him. The good news is, we live in a modern culture that has a lot of answers to fear. So because of coronavirus going on, there's a lot of people who are trying to help others with fear. There's some fear. What's going to happen now? <laughs> so I found a blog post on simirad.com that I thought was good. So uh, he, he had some ways of, of dealing with your fear. So the first plan that people use to deal with fear is the do really scary things plan. Those of you who knew me in college, I tried this one. You just go do crazy, dangerous stuff, and as long as it doesn't kill you, you can walk around saying, I did this crazy stuff and I didn't die, so I don't fear anymore. The problem is it doesn't work. Uh, this is my wife's favorite plan, the worst-case scenario plan. If I could think of all the worst-case scenarios of everything that could happen, then maybe I can manage that fear. This is my personal favorite, the pizza plan. Just keep eating pizza until you're so pizza log that you can't think you just pass out. I think college kids have decided this is the plan. This is like the uh, I fear, you know, finals plan. Here's one that I worry about in our culture, the stay busy at all costs plan. I don't have to face my fear if I'm so busy I have no time to think. The problem is at some point you will have to think and then all of it will crush you. The exercise plan, you just run like crazy and go to the gym every day and get really thin and really fit, and everybody looks at you and says you're awesome, and then no one will have to feel or see that you fear. This is related to the stay busy at all times, the be with people all the time plan. I don't have to feel, face my fear if I'm with somebody at all times. Or, this is another one of my favorites, the meditation plan. I can go to meditation websites. There's even meditation apps I can put on my phone. And whenever I feel fear, I just read them. If that doesn't work, then I need to buy some meditation books. People try this, right? But here's the problem. They don't work because they're ridiculous and they're trite and they don't deal with the core problem of why you feel fear. All they're doing is masking it. They're delaying it. They're trying to convince you that I don't have to deal with this right now. The reality is, is fear is still there. You don't believe that? Go on to Facebook for a few minutes. I do that once in a while. There's a lot of fear on Facebook. Even go on TikTok. I don't even know what TikTok is, but I keep hearing about it. Does that mean I'm old? I keep hearing about TikTok. Yes. Does that mean I'm old? Yes. Shoot. I was worried that was going to happen soon. It's everywhere. So we have an opportunity, I believe, to show our world how to deal with their fear, especially in a time like this. So here's the core thesis of what's going on in this passage here. 
We must allow the fear of God to replace our fear of man. Verse 7 said, An angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Verse 9 says, O fear the Lord, you his saints, and for those who fear him have no lack. And then verse 11, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I think a lot of us have, uh, are not sure what that means, because we're just using the same word of fear again. But Hebrew, where it was translated from, is what's called a word-poor language, meaning they use the same words in multiple contexts. So fear of the Lord actually means Yahweh, not Yahweh, Yahweh, which means to stand in awe and reverent honor. Reverent means that we respect God and we respect that he has power. If we don't respect or believe in God or we don't think he has power, there's a vacuum. And what do we put in that vacuum? What do we always put in that vacuum? We always put ourselves in that vacuum. We put ourselves in that vacuum as we parent. We put ourselves in our vacuum as we lead at work. And we think that I have to figure this out. And whenever you've arrived at that spot in your fear, that's the point where you're in trouble because you have a belief system problem. This all comes back to trust. So all of you, if I asked you this morning, if I said, do you trust God? I'd be surprised if somebody said no. But the truth is, the way that we live, the way that I've lived so much of my life, is that the answer I would have is no. I don't trust the Lord. Because I don't trust that he's going to help me here, or he's going to take care of me here. So now I have to dive into something a little more theoretical. It's called stated beliefs versus functional beliefs. So stated beliefs are easy. I just stated them. I believe that the Lord will take care of me no matter what happens in my life. But my functional belief is really different. My functional belief is what I think in my heart and in my mind to myself when nobody else is asking me. Because remember, we can always translate what we want people to hear when we tell them. This is in my own heart and my own mind. What do I think? What do I think when there's a crisis in my life? What do I think about when I'm worried that my kids are not going to follow the Lord? What do I think about when my marriage is hard? My wife isn't meeting my needs. What do I think about when somebody in my life is sick and I think they're going to die? For me, I list that. Mine, mine doesn't sound as important. But what I, how do I feel when I feel like I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to file for bankruptcy? What do I think then? Do I think that God's going to take care of me? Or do I think I'm going to take care of me? John 14, 12 through 14 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than those that he will do. What this means is if I believe and trust in the Lord, that he will take care of me. The problem is, is that most of us haven't spent the time to deal with our bad functional beliefs. We rely on our stated beliefs to come to our aid when we need it. The truth is we can't do that. Because here's the thing. Life gets busy. And if we don't figure this out, it will figure it out for us. What will we do when things get bad? We're going to get busy. We'll abuse alcohol. We will leave our families emotionally. Guys, we're famous for this. I've done this too many times when I get stressed. I come home and I leave my kids and my wife emotionally as I, I, gripe, or I grapple with this in my own heart. 
We use social media. I'm not against social media, but if you're using it as a way to get away, that's not good. And then we do even worse. On that social media, we, we, we consume more content that leads us further away from the truth. So how do we break the cycle? We must seek the Lord to deal with our fear. And then we need to ask for help from others. So verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. As hard of a time as, uh, as he had in so many places, David did, he realized this, that God would, would deliver him. The key to this verse is that he sought after. I sought after the Lord. He didn't just like say some things and pray for five minutes. He sought that. So when you feel fear, go to the Lord first in groaning. Every, every day, every hour, every minute, go to the Lord in groaning. Verse 17 says, when the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all of their troubles. When I was broke in college, I went out to the state park for a day and I walked a trail and I literally groaned before the Lord. Still makes me emotional thinking about that. It's such a broken place. And I know my thing isn't a big deal in the broad scheme of things, but some of you have had things that are really difficult. It's okay to groan to the Lord, but do it to the Lord. Don't do it to lesser things. Do it to the Lord. It can be painful and it can take a long time. If you look at David's life, God didn't just fix stuff and take away the things that he feared. God builds our character in those times and he prepares us for things to come. Verse 18 follows and encourages us. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Um, God doesn't say that he's going to fix it. He will say that he will help us through it. And that's an important thing to believe. Functionally, not stated in your heart. I still struggle with fear. Coronavirus has been pretty hard financially on the company that I work at. We don't know if we're going to make it through this. Felt a little weird writing the sermon because I'm living the things I'm talking about and I'm not always doing the best job. But I'm reminded of verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who takes refuge in him. Do you really believe that the Lord is good even if things don't turn out well? I pray in my own heart, I pray for you that the answer we can have in our hearts is yes. How do we get practical about doing this? One option is to start finding quotes and posting them on Facebook. My favorite one that I think we should all do is Franklin D. Roosevelt. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That'll make things better, right? I feel like we do that stuff because we think it might work. It might help us. Don't try to escape. Don't try to use things that are quick and easy. And also, I would ask you as members of our eyes, don't be dismissive of fear. A couple weeks ago, my daughter Madeline came to me. She was sitting in the car. She didn't come to me, actually. She strapped her in. And she started crying to me. She said, Daddy, I'm scared that you're going to leave me. She's stuck in the car, and I was going, we always go in and get 16 things, and then we find out we don't have the 16 things. We need 32 things. And so we go back in, and then somebody pooped their diaper, and you guys know who are in this stage of life. And so I was frustrated with my daughter. And you know what my response to her was? Stop worrying. You're going to drive yourself crazy. What do you guys think happened? She stopped. Right? No, she didn't stop. She started crying more. 
But you know what? Sometimes this is how we handle each other when we feel fear. We just tell each other, you need to trust God. It doesn't work. What we need to do is we need to start with the prayer and, and the word with each other. So my first key thing that you can do is get on your knees before the Lord. Read this psalm if you need guidance. This is a great place to start. Read it over and over. When you feel fear, do it. Do it before you do the other things. Um, some people believe that if you have like the magic potion, your thinking will get better. And I've found that it takes discipline for my thinking to change. I have to fill my thinking with truth before that truth can permeate itself into my heart. The other thing I would say is be very specific with the Lord about what your fears are. Pour out your heart before the Lord. Verse 17 again says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Spend time expressing to the Lord what you need. And also be blunt with him. Um, what, the, the, the reason I, I brought up the example of Adam and Eve is because it's really funny that they thought they could kind of like dodge God. We can't dodge God, so just be blunt with him. I really believe that God asks us to be honest with him because it's part of being honest with yourself. When I was younger, I didn't really understand the whole self-deception thing. And I heard about people who did terrible things and they would come back and say, oh, I, I didn't even know that was wrong. I really believe that we are all self-deceived in our sinful nature and Satan uses that self-deception against us. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at. And telling God bluntly is a way that we can be honest with ourselves. The second thing you need to do is tell trusted people in your life about your fears and ask them to pray with you. I would encourage you, those of you who are married, to start with your spouse. Don't hide your fears from your spouse. When I got married to Heidi, I'm ashamed to say today that I spent years not being bluntly honest with my wife about my fears. Even today, my first response when I feel fear is not to tell my wife. Why is that? Pride. I think pride and fear kind of get connected up together. By admitting to your spouse that you feel fear about something, it's a way for you to kind of hold on to that pride that I can figure this out. Don't do that. If you're a spouse and your spouse shares fear with you or fear with you, let them be in that place. Don't give them the trite answers. Pray with them, be with them. My wife is incredible and has walked through so much fear with me. There's been so many times where I have just come up short and I've been able to share with her and she then helps me do the first thing. She's a prayer warrior and she brings me back to prayer. In fact, sometimes she'll just cut me off and want to pray, which is really annoying because I have less, more things I want to try to solve on my own. But it's what I need. It's what we need. I really believe, and it's in scripture too, that Satan has figured this out. It's called divide and conquer. Military strategy. If I can divide them and get them all on their own, I can conquer them. I can conquer them with the fear they have in their own head. It's a pretty easy strategy, but you know what? It works way too much. And it's because we don't want to be vulnerable with our spouses. Clint talked about life groups. Life groups are another... Satan hates those things for the same reason. If he can get two or three together in my name, there am I with them. 
Now, I'm not encouraging you to spill your guts to somebody you just met at Life Group the first week. We all need to be prudent with how we share and who we share our, uh, our fears with. We need to be careful. But I also want to encourage you not to use that as an excuse. I've been a part of this congregation for a long time, and the people here care. I know that a lot of you fear that you're going to look weak, or somebody might shoot you down or give you a trite answer. But the truth is, the people in this room, the people on Facebook, are not here to do that to you. They have their own things. And sharing with you is oftentimes a blessing. A lot of times, too, finding out somebody else has a fear that's similar to yours is life-giving. And a lot of times, we miss that. And we think that we're going to do it all ourselves. We're somehow blessing the people around us. That's not true. You're stealing from the people around you, and you're trying to do this all on your own. Don't fall into that trap. Here's an example of somebody who didn't do that. David. Not only did he not say, I'm going to keep it to myself or my life group or my cabinet or whatever, he wrote it down in here, and he published it. That's amazing. If you read scripture and you read David, you don't read a guy who had it all together and didn't admit he had fear. You read about a guy who was broken and he let everybody else in on his brokenness. He did it for our benefit. You're not going to be, you're not going to come back void when you are vulnerable with the people in your life. Just a couple weeks ago, I had a friend of mine express his fear for his son who's making decisions that are not honoring the Lord. My friend came to me and he cried. Shared tears together. You know what I didn't think? I didn't think, what a weakling. I didn't think that. I thought, this is a man who I respect and honor. He cares about his, about his son, that he's bringing in tears his son to me so that we can together pray for his son. His greatest fear is that his son doesn't follow the Lord, and yet he brought that to me. I would ask that we do that together. Number three, replace thoughts of fear with thoughts of truth. Here's the thing about thoughts, is if you give it a void, it's going to be filled with something. Don't fill it with whatever comes to your mind. Be intentional about where you fill those thoughts. Verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of all of them. So you got to spend time reprogramming how you think about fear. When you feel a fear, how do I deal with that? So here's a little bit of how I do it. This is not the only way, but this is my way, and I thought I'd share so the first thing I do is I tell the Lord I have an irrational fear. It helps me to say that. Lord, I have an irrational fear of something that probably will never happen, but I'm here to tell you that, it, that it's here. That's thing number one. Helps put me in my place, too. The second thing I do is I recite Matthew 6.28 to myself. And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today are alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you a little, you a little faith? So I look at that and I go, man, this thing that I'm fearing, is God going to take care of me? The answer is yes, but do I believe it in my heart? And sometimes I have to take a while to think that through. Number three, I had to make this part of my process because otherwise I skip it. I tell my wife about it. It's always kind of feels awkward. Like, oh, I have this like kind of fear that I don't really think is legit, but you know, I, it's really bothering me right now. She's very patient with me about it, but it helps me a lot. 
And then what I have to do is I have to focus on what God has already given me. And many mornings, that's actually looking at my little son, Titus, who just woke up and he wants another bite of cake. And if I give it to him now, then I might not tell Heidi and then he'll be happy for a few minutes. But you know what? The truth is, I need to focus on my kids. I need to have those little moments, the little cake moments. And I know that Satan wants to steal away those moments by clouding my mind with fear. I give him another bite of cake and then I say, I really better tell my wife about this. And sometimes that's all it takes and I'm able to move on. Sometimes it's not all it takes. Sometimes I need to tell the guys in my life about this. I need to tell my dad about this. I need to tell the people in my life about it. Sometimes those things take a long time. I want to close with discussing the story of Caleb and the promised land. Before the people entered the promised land, the spies out in the land they felt was well fortified. They had a lot of reasons to be fearful. Everyone was. But this guy named Caleb came in and he said this crazy thing. He silenced the crowd and he said to Moses, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it in the Lord. He had shifted his fear of man into the fear of God because he knew that God could do this for it. That's faith. Remember that the Lord cares about you way more than the lilies of the field. And remember that he's going to take care of you. It's going to take some time, but the Lord can help you as you change the way you think from a way of thinking of fear of man to the fear of God. I'm going to leave you with verse 22, the last verse in the chapter. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants.